Welcome to Mining Stock Daily, produced by Clear Creek Digital and Investment Research Dynamics Mining Stock Journal. Today is Wednesday, September 26th. I'm Trevor Hall, and here's what you need to know out of today's mining and mineral exploration industry. Panoro Minerals announced that they have received the seventh early deposit payment of $750,000 as part of the Precious Metals Purchase Agreement from Wheaton Precious Metals. Wheaton Precious Metals has agreed to pay Panoro upfront cash payments totaling $140 million for 25% of the payable gold production and 100% of the payable silver production from the company's Cotabambas project in Peru. Panoro is advancing its flagship project, Cotabambas Copper Gold Silver, and its Antia Copper Molybdenum project, which is located in southern Peru. Panoro trades under the symbol P-O-R-O-F in the U.S. and P-M-L on the TSX Venture. Tudor Gold announced that it has closed a non-brokered private placement under which it has raised gross proceeds of $861,700. The proceeds will be used to advance exploration of the company's mineral properties in the Golden Triangle of Northwestern B.C. for general corporate and working capital purposes and repayment of existing liabilities. Tudor trades under the symbol TDRRF in the U.S. and TUD on the TSX Venture Exchange. Pure Gold announced underground drilling reveals new parallel zones of high-grade gold, including 101.6 grams per ton gold over 1.5 meters. The results of Pure Gold's current drill program continue to exceed expectations with an average grade of 9.2 grams per ton gold returned from 1,084 muck samples collected to date. The average grade of 9.2 grams per ton gold is a diluted mine grade, which comprises all muck samples from 46 rounds of freshly blasted rock, each of which average above a cutoff grade of 4 grams per ton gold. Pure gold trades under the symbol LRNTF in the U.S. and PGM on the Toronto Venture. The Mining Stock Journal has a strong buy rating on Pure and considers it to be a likely acquisition target. And today we're going to kind of step off our schedule and actually run an interview with Integra Resources Chairman and Verify CEO Steve DeJong. Steve and I actually met at the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Forum for the interview, but as it would turn out, Verify has also been a key sponsor participant of the Denver Gold Forum, which is wrapping up today in Colorado Springs. Steve will have spent quite a bit of time here in Colorado this fall as he is set to return later in October for the Future of Mining Americas Conference taking place in Denver on October 29th and 30th. And we are excited to be a part of that event as well. The Future of Mining Americas Conference will give participants a detailed picture on the key exploration, development, management, infrastructure, and leadership themes shaping the future strategic direction of the industry. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Steve DeJong. Steve, thank you so much for joining us and uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you and I, uh, we just got done having a quick conversation about the parallels you and I see on how the, the communications paradigm has shifted uh, globally, not just in mining, but all around, use of cell phone connections, self, uh, social media, uh, the internet, and how the mining industry can, needs to really start capitalizing on looking at events that could possibly happen down the road to uh, generate interest uh, uh, into the industry, not only from a financial investment point of view, but also from a workforce point of view. Uh, so leading to that, tell me about Verify. Uh, what, what started that platform, and, and what do you see it, where do you see it leading to in the next year or two? And 
<clears throat> okay. Uh, <laughs> you know what, actually, and even to back it up a little bit, so Verify is something we started about a year ago, uh-huh. and our, our objective to simplify is essentially to digitize an entire industry and present all of our industry's information in a way that the average person can digest it, but it still is valuable to kind of your PhD geo or your mining engineer or fund manager or whatever it may be. Sure. To back it up a little bit, in the five years prior to that, so from 2012 to 2017, um, I was the CEO of a company called Integra Gold, and I was fortunate um, to work with a company that where we started as exploration, went through development, and eventually uh, we were acquired uh, by another company uh, in 2017, but we were t- sitting right at the, sort of the construction stage. So I got to see the life cycle from, from the earlier stage exploration all the way through permitting and indigenous consultation and community meetings and, and that whole side of it. So it wasn't, it wasn't what, I, what I kind of learned from that process is there's a ton of opportunities to apply mining, or sorry, to apply technology in, in not only how we operate, but also how we communicate. And I think communication as companies is often simplified as, well, what are you telling to investors? But there's way more to it than that. It's, mm-hmm. There's the, Your stakeholder kind of base is, is much larger than just investors. And we learned a lot kind of through Integra Gold and dealing with, again, our indigenous groups and community groups and, and all those other, other groups. And in the late, last sort of six, 12 months at, at Integra Gold, we created essentially a virtual tour of our mine site. And it was the reaction that we had sort of in presenting that tour, which was on our, anyone could download the app and, and go through it, but we also used it in meetings and presentations and so on. It was based on that experience that we created Verify, because going through those meetings and, and presenting your company in more of an interactive, immersive, kind of three-dimensional format instead of your traditional kind of two-dimensional PowerPoint with a bunch of text and, and plan maps and, right, right. and other things, it, it really taught us... It was based on that reaction that we said, well, hang on a second, there's a real opportunity here because people are really kind of engaged in sort of interacting with our story this way. So we started Verify because I don't think anyone wants to download 500 different apps on their phone for all the companies they're thinking about investing in. And for the same reason, no one goes to stevedejong.com. They go to Facebook or to some other um, social media account because these platforms exist to sort of normalize and standardize information and put it in a format that people can just get everything they need quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's what Verify really is. We're out there essentially, we have about 30 clients now, but we're going for full adoption in the entire industry yeah. because we want to be a platform that everyone goes to share ideas and learn kind of learn about companies in a way and in a company's value proposition in a way they've never actually been able to do before. Well, it really is an interactive approach to basically do a site visit at a lot of these properties without physically being on the ground, which is, I'm actually really surprised that nobody has caught on to this before Verify. And maybe there has been some uh, pilot projects that attempted to do the same thing, but Verify, what you're doing at Verify is really, uh, it's a unique approach. but I'm assuming there, because uh, exploration mining is still really technically driven, there's still a challenge of describing, you know, what does two gram, you know, uh, you know what, what do those numbers mean to somebody who's unfamiliar with Completely. the industry? And, and I think as a sector, we go to these conferences and, the, and these marketing circuits and we meet with fund managers and, and kind of institutional, um, uh, institutional fund managers. And for the most part, a lot of our marketing is within people who understand what we do. And so within that, if, if kind of nine out of ten conversations you have are with people who understand what grams per ton are and what indicated versus inferred and those things, you just naturally kind of create your communication tools and, and your uh, material to feed that. Right. And I think what we've seen is 
what we or sorry, what we need to do is sort of simplify and refine our stories and, and our technical information down to a point where the average person can understand it. Right. And I think one of the best examples, actually, of an industry that, that did that, whether it was intentional or not, is what happened in the cryptocurrency space. Because mm -hmm. two, three years ago, nobody knew cryptocurrencies, what they were, they existed. And in my belief, is nobody, it's not like everyone just woke up one day and decided the U.S. dollars in trouble. We all we all have to go digital. That was kind of people talking to other people um, about essentially speculative investing. Right. But what you saw happen on the back of that was you saw tens of thousands of people create videos and YouTube channels, and they were educating people on what kind of Steve coin or Kitty coin or whatever these coins were. So it doesn't matter if you've never heard of a digital currency or if you have a PhD in economics, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. there, was a, there was a way for you to get information, and it was almost like this gateway drug to invest yeah. in cryptocurrencies. And for me, like, it's interesting. It's, cryptocurrencies are not a millennial phenomenon. Like, I learned about it from my mother-in-law, who started a group with her friends to chat about once a week they'd get together and talk about kind of their, their best ideas. And it's, it's a forward-thinking mother-in-law. <laughs> she gave me. She, she. We all got our first Bitcoin from our when they were a hundred dollars each. Wow, like way ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, but what's really interesting, and this is by no means um, um, trying to say cryptocurrencies are, are valid or not. It's more just the communication approach that, that was taken sure. is not something we do. Like as a, as an industry, we individually take our powerpoints and our websites and we try to kind of use those tools. But ninety-nine point nine percent of the general investing public, if they went to the average mining website wouldn't make it past the first page or two right. because that's great that you hit 10 grams per ton over 10 meters. What's a gram? Well, what's what does a ton? What, is, what does that mean? Right. Well, on, on the counter argument to that, and, and maybe you've been approached this, if, we, if there is an opportunity to simplify the story and the message, does that open up the book for bad projects to take the limelight away from good projects? I, so I, I think... I actually take the opposite approach to it, okay. um, and again, I view this in sort of a world where we've somewhat normalized the data set first. So everyone's sort of presenting, even their say their resources are using the same color format for indicated versus inferred, where everyone is now, I don't want to say on a level playing field, but now when you're looking at company A, company B, and company C, you're able to somewhat compare them. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think the best analogy of, of what would happen from that is what happened in the taxi industry, and you look at Uber, and it's not to be too cliche with we're going to Uberize the industry, but if you look at the taxi industry and what Uber did, Uber didn't just get people off their couches to drive cars, so now you have more options. They gave every single market participant, the people who get in these cars and pay for these services, a rating system that now held every driver accountable to the service mm -hmm. they get. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't exist in, in our sector at all. And when you do that, when you allow everybody to kind of give feedback and... Um, essentially rate the service or in the mining industry, I, I envision it down the road as some, some sort of rating system that's in place. When you, when you open that up to the kind of the entire broad public, uh, there's an opportunity. I, th I think you're naturally, your better companies will naturally flow up to the top. Mm -hmm. like you don't go to TripAdvisor and look at the bottom 10 hotels when you're looking for a place to stay yeah. or Rotten Tomatoes when you're looking at a movie. That, again, doesn't exist in the mining sector. So I believe that if we can, as an industry, normalize our data set, and allow people to kind of give feedback, you're going to see companies held accountable to the decisions they make. Right. And that's something that really doesn't exist. And it's not because I, I don't think because mining companies are bad. I kind of was the CEO of one. And I, I think generally I think the mining industry gets painted with a really kind of negative brush, especially in, in kind of bear market times. Yeah. I think generally there, there's a lot of very, very good stories. The problem is there's a ton of noise as well. Right, right. And in my view, investors in today's world don't have the tools to differentiate. Sure.
So it's funny. So is, I think there is, I personally feel there's more interest into this sector than the mining industry gives it credit to. And just from my own personal interactions, like, you know, I live in Denver. I'll go Friday, Saturday nights. And, you know, sometimes I'll go down and have a beer or two or go to a concert and have a conversation, strike up a conversation with somebody I don't know. And they're like, well, what do you do? And I say, you know, I work in the mining industry doing a number of different things. Like, mining. Like, yeah, like, I, like what companies do you work with? And mining, and I'll listen to more of me. But they automatically get, I'm able to communicate it in a way where they get kind of excited yeah. about it. And the first thing they do is they pull out their phone, and they either make a note on Evernote, or they'll yeah. go to the Twitter account or Facebook or whatever, and they'll create that connection right away yeah. so they don't forget. And I think it that go that's the powerful message that the industry that is uh, that tends to be antiquated really isn't as antiquated as it once was. Like yeah. we are getting there, but what do we need to do next to make it even better to get those uh, to attract those people that are currently into crypto, that are currently into the marijuana stocks? Like, what do we need to do as an industry as a whole? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think we need to present ourselves in such a way that makes sense because whether we like it or not the world's attention span shrinks every day right. and if you go read a news article within one paragraph there's going to be it'll primarily be bullet points it'll often say it's going to take one and a half minutes to read this article and then there's three more things you can click on because they're worried they're, they're going to lose you mm-hmm. like we need to not saying we need to bring it to that level but we need to present we have to acknowledge that this is now how people digest information they scroll through whether it's Bloomberg or, or Instagram or whatever it may be Everyone processes information differently than they used to. Mm-hmm. As a mining industry, you literally cannot tell the difference between a press release for an exploration company today and one 30 years ago. Right. Maybe the difference is now there's a link to a map because the internet wasn't around 30 years ago. And, and that's pretty much it. So I believe we need to change that. I don't, I don't think we need to really take people away from the marijuana stocks or from the cryptocurrencies or whatever it may be because... What, what happens in those spaces, like the, the cryptocurrency is a good example, went from essentially nothing to $800 billion market cap and is now, <clears throat> say the whole market's maybe worth 150 or $200 billion now. Yeah. They didn't really come from somewhere else. That was speculative capital that it's always there. And when, when people start hearing about other people making money, it sort of just creates itself. Yeah. And, and what's happening in the cannabis space is, um, is a, <clears throat> I don't... I, don't want to get in trouble for calling cannabis a bubble, but I think that market has gotten ahead of itself. But cannabis is different because you've seen a structural change in the market, and that opportunity wasn't there two years ago. But those, there's a lot of speculation, I'm sure, that's now taking place within that space. Uh-huh. We don't need to necessarily go attract those people. We just need, like, junior mining is speculative investing. And within that, there are very good stories that you have a chance to, to kind of make a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. We need to sort of take those success stories, take those companies, and find ways to communicate that in a way that everybody will start talking about it. And I think naturally the speculative kind of the amount of speculative capital in our sector will just naturally grow. Right, right. So I, I do want to kind of shift the conversation, but still stay on innovation because I know you are chairing the mining, the future of mining America's conference in Denver later in October. And innovation has been such a key theme in the industry for probably the last five years, and we're seeing an advancement of fully autonomous trucks, both open pit and underground. Uh, Lots of the major companies are investing money towards trying to develop and see how innovations can help uh, lower their costs and optimize their operations. And we, this conversation, maybe it's few and far between, but 
we're not seeing enough talk about innovation in the communications and the outreach. So is this is that a kind of innovative uh, PR investor relations? Is that something that m might be brought up in the future of mining conference as well next month, or do you think we'll see more mining operations? Uh, I, I think you're gonna. I think you'll see a bit of both. You're definitely gonna see sort of singular companies that here's our one innovative idea, and whether it's sort of some sort of analysis device that you can stick on a scoop and to analyze the rock as it, it's coming, whatever it's, you'll see those specific um, technologies, but innovation as well as, as you're right, it's kind of, it's turned into almost this buzzword, it's right. sort of disruption, innovation, um, often you hear machine learning, artificial intelligence, and I think there's, the mining industry has often been criticized as being a dinosaur, and is working really hard now to try and get out of that, but again, within that, I think there's a lot of just, well, we'll just say we're innovative. And right. I don't think there's that much direction in which way we go yet. And there's a lot of different technologies with electrification and other things that could be applied. But every mining his company historically operates in a silo. So it's, it's what I've seen is it, it's quite hard for a lot of these technologies to penetrate the sector because um, there is not there's just not that much collaboration within the sector. And that's changing. And so you're seeing some of the big companies now get together to share ideas. Um, I'm a big believer that kind of when, when you talk about communication and the innovation or the technology we're using on the communication side, I'm a big believer that that is sort of the first step to real disruption innovation taking place. Yeah. Because if we can get everybody communicating on a, on a, in a format where they can share ideas um, and... Like I, I look at the Verify platform as hopefully being able to help achieve this um, as a place then your technology companies or people who are maybe not as familiar with mining because they can now sort of understand in, in mining and exploration and exploitation and reclamation is presented in a way, in an interactive way that they can understand. I think that's when your real ideas are going to come to the space yeah. because you're going to see your non-mining people who don't know that much about mining with really interesting technologies finally have sort of an opportunity to look at sort of the industry as a whole and see what are the, the potential um, applications for their in any one of their specific technologies. So is there a skepticism from the investment community on adopting innovation into certain projects, spe specifically from the development stage? I know there's a number of, uh, number of projects out there that 10 years ago wouldn't have been feasible, yeah. but now with the advancement of technologies, I mean, for a great example would be ore sorting. Yeah. You know, four or five years ago, ore sorting was kind of this, you know, let's see how it goes, but, you know, nobody's really implementing to where now we're seeing a number of companies from operations to advanced development have it in, have it yeah. in their feasibility study. And, but, but it, from what I'm seeing, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, from what I seem, the investment community is still a little. It still seems a little bit too much uh, premature. Yeah. I mean, do you see that? Is there is there a disconnect between? Uh, well, I think I think to back it up a little bit, you have to look at sort of the industry as a whole and the cyclical nature of the industry. We have our highs and we have our lows, and sort of in the mining industry and the gold industry specifically, you live and die by kind of the highs and lows. And it's when yeah. it's low, it's it's really low, and when it's when it's high, it's great. But what happens when you have that is, say, say the price of gold goes from $800 to $1,900, and it, and which it did from, say, 08 to 2012. Everything in that scenario, in that gold price environment, is bigger is better. Move right. as much rock and make as much money as you possibly can. Innovation on that side is more kind of, we don't really care. We're making so much money. Let's just get the biggest trucks. 
then what happens is when the market turns, there's just not that much money because R&D is one of the first things that gets cut right. because you're trying to preserve your, your margins with what you're mining. So you, you eliminate things like R&D and others. And what, what happens if you look at the kind of the ups and downs of the industry, there's not really a point in time when it's, it's a perfect environment to really invest in new technologies that are going to make us kind of more efficient uh, and more profitable in, in the long run. Sure. So and especially when you get to your development stage companies, because in a, in a tough market, you're doing everything you can just to get your project financed and built. Right. You don't have an extra 10 or $20 million to go invest in a new technology or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think what you've seen recently is, is some of the big companies like you have Tech and Goldcorp and Barrick, you're seeing them really step up and uh, Ignico is another good example. And I think the long term, you're going to need those companies to continue to do that yeah. because they have the budgets uh, and they have the discipline to kind of apply that in a, in a down market and kind of the discipline and they're not just going kind of bigger is better in, in the up market. That being said, we've kind of, we're in a set seven year downturn, so I can't really predict how everyone's right. going to act the next time gold right, right. at $2,000 an ounce. So I'm actually a firm believer that the mine engineer of, the, of you know, the next 10 years or the next generation is going to be a combination of mine engineer and, and maybe like big data scientist or computer programmer. Is that something you think about that, like that mine engineer or that geologist, yeah. the next generation is going to be a lot more diversified and open to technology? That's, than that's a really interesting question. So I'm, I'm fortunate with Verify. We get to see a lot of different companies and what they're working on. And one of those things is uh, Goldcorp's been working with IBM Watson mm-hmm. to essentially take 80 years of data from one of their projects and use that, use essentially IBM and Watson to generate expiration targets. And um, they've used Verify as a visualization tool once they have this to kind of use it to present to the executives and then eventually to uh, uh, present to the general public. I find that stuff kind of very, very interesting and very compelling. Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to replace geologists with computers, but I think you're going to have geologists that now have kind of supercomputers in their back yeah. pocket, and I think that's going to make them much more um, efficient and effective in what they do because expiration specifically, there's a bit of voodoo in there. You just you don't know kind of what happened hundreds of millions of years ago that kind of was this gold vein faulted <laughs> off. You can be the best geologist in the world, until you kind of drill it and get underground, you don't know that. So all those tools, like machine learning and everything else, if they can make a company, say, 10 or 20% more efficient with its drill budget or whatever it may be, that's huge for, for our space. Sure. So I, I am. I don't know as much on the, on the engineering side and the mining side, but as far as even like using machine learning algorithms to kind of um, assess what the... Uh, the impact of your ore sorting or whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I just, I can't envision a world where that's not happening. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm sure this will be just one of the many topics of discussion during the uh, Future of Mining conference next month. Um, is there anything else that you're looking forward to uh, as chairperson of that conference um, that uh, kind of exciting in, in getting involved with it? I think it's, um, I've actually, so I I didn't really know much about this conference before, but I've had it, especially since um, it was announced as the chair, just from LinkedIn and all these other networks, I've had a ton of people reach out, and a lot of them are going to this conference that you wouldn't, they're they're not all just sort of technical staff from companies, you're seeing bankers and investors and others go, which is, I find very interesting, to me, to your earlier question, kind of, do... Um, do companies have the ability to do this or are they supported by their investors? And I think from what I've seen just in the last month or so, the answer is yes. You're going, you're going to see a lot of people trying to get a handle of where the industry is going. 
um, which is really important to do. Yeah. So it's, it's something I look forward to, is not just the technical kind of individual specific technologies, it's general discussions between kind of more your technical staff, um, your executives, and then also your sort of your, your financial, your bankers and your um, your bankers and your analysts and your, yeah. your, your buy side as well. Very good. Yeah. Well, you uh, will be spending a lot of time in Colorado over the next month, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for your time, Stephen. I really appreciate it. And um, we look forward to uh, seeing you in Denver again for the Future of Mining America's conference. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.